on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. May the force be with you. Who is that mask? Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we get to today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Academy Award nominations were announced earlier this week, and Denis Villeneuve's Dune has been nominated in 10 categories, including Best Picture. The adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction epic received the second most nominations behind Power of the Dog, which received 12. The 94th Academy Awards ceremony will be held on Sunday, March 27th at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. A new poster for Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi was released earlier this week. The show will be available on Disney Plus May 25th. New trailers dropped this week for Lightyear and Jurassic World Domination. You can view the trailers on one of the FF social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Lightyear opens in theaters on June 17th, while Jurassic World Domination is scheduled for a theatrical release on June 10th. This week, Vanity Fair featured a series of first-look pictures from the upcoming Lord of the Rings adaptation, The Rings of Power. The various shots of cast and crew offer an in-depth, behind-the-scenes peek at the production. And there was a very informative article in the publication to accompany the photos. You can view some of the pictures on one of the aforementioned FF social media pages. Composer John Williams celebrated his 90th birthday on February 8th. In a career spanning seven decades, he has composed some of the most popular, recognizable, and critically acclaimed film scores in cinematic history. He's best known to genre audiences for his work on Irwin Allen's Lost in Space way back in 1965. He was Johnny Williams then, by the way. Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Superman the Movie, among many, many others. Happy birthday, maestro. Spider-Man No Way Home fell to third place at the domestic box office last weekend behind Jackass Forever and Roland Emmerich's disaster epic Moonfall. Spider-Man was barely behind Moonfall with 9.9 million uh, with 9.4 million for the web slinger. Super Bowl weekend tends to make for lighter movie-going audiences. We'll see if Spider-Man can bounce back this weekend against new openings Death on the Nile and Marry Me, based on the popular webcomic. Both films did well in Thursday previews, and we'll see where things up excuse me, we'll see where things end up on Monday. And some sad news this week as Douglas Trumbull passed away on February 7th. The American director, special effects supervisor, and inventor was best known to genre audiences for his work on such sci-fi classics as 2001 A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 
Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Silent Running. Before the advent of digital effects, he employed mats, miniatures, masking, and other practical film tools to achieve dramatic results. Following three Academy Award nominations for special effects work on Close Encounters, Star Trek, and Blade Runner, Mr. Trumbull was finally awarded an honorary Oscar in 2012 for his technical contributions to the movie industry. He was 79. Today, we're talking about some of these stories, the season finale of Boba Fett, Peacemaker on HBO Max, and wherever else the conversation takes us. But first, here is the official FF adaptation of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall. Let's take a listen. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. From the earliest days of human existence has mankind looked to the heavens at the moon. Whether with fear, awe, or a sense of reverence, humans have been obsessed with it. And the moon has been a constant, ultimately inspiring humans to seek, strive, and literally touch our planet's natural satellite. Roland Emmerich evokes all these cultural memories to present his latest epic blockbuster, Moonfall. Astronaut Brian Harper is disgraced following an orbital accident in which one of his space shuttle crew is lost. Harper insists that there was an extraterrestrial disturbance that interrupted his spacewalk and caused severe damage to the shuttle as well as the satellite which was being serviced. However, surviving crew member Jocinda Fowler cannot corroborate Harper's story as she was injured during the disturbance and unconscious. Harper is canned from NASA and loses his home and family. Years later, Fowler, who is still working at NASA, discovers the moon itself is falling out of orbit and on a deadly collision course with Earth. She believes she has a way to reverse it and save all life from being destroyed. Simultaneous to Fowler, conspiracy theorist Casey Hausman also stumbles onto the deadly change in the moon's orbit. Unable to contact NASA on his own, he seeks out Harper, who realizes that the information could redeem him. Ultimately, Fowler, Harper, and Hausman must assume the mission of saving Earth before disaster strikes. This movie is evidence that Roland Emmerich's name carries enough weight in Hollywood to get pretty much any picture made. I've generally enjoyed his work as a director and writer, but this movie feels like a big-budget movie of the week. It's beautiful to look at. See it in IMAX if you go see it. And it's not as if there are no redeeming elements to the film. A great deal of money was spent on this movie. No expense was spared on the effects budget. The marketing is top shelf. The cast is excellent. Led by Halle Berry and starring Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Charlie Plummer, Michael Pena, Kelly Riley, and Kelly Hugh. And while no performances particularly stood out for me, the actors do their best to sell the questionable material. But the screenplay, written by Emmerich and Harold Closer and Spencer Cohen, didn't give the cast much with which to work. There is a formula for these disaster sci-fi epics to which this picture generally adheres. Consequently, there is nothing unique or novel about the movie. It speaks to where we are culturally that such outstanding visual effects, which would have been groundbreaking to see 30, possibly even 20 years ago, are used as a device. And audiences have become sophisticated enough that they don't bat an eye at what has become commonplace in contemporary filmmaking. Moonfall runs two hours and ten minutes, and while it doesn't drag, 
there's a great deal of exposition. Story-wise, the screenwriters have a lot to accomplish to move things along. There's establishing the main characters and introducing the problem with the moon, then determining a solution to the problem and beginning to implement it. So by the time our stalwart crew launches towards the moon to enact their plan for salvation, the audience is pretty much exhausted. And there are several subplots running too. It's a lot. Surprisingly, this is a movie you can take your kids to see. As is common for films of this genre, some of the characters in the film are children. And there's some salty language, but it is used appropriately and kept to a minimum. There isn't any nudity or sexual situations. While there is widespread destruction in the form of huge chunks of debris falling out of the sky and destroying large swaths of territory, unlike Emmerich's 2009 disaster movie, 2012, the audience doesn't, for the most part, see people being torn up in the carnage. It's rated PG-13 for action-adventure sci-fi. This is an entirely forgettable movie. Nothing to distinguish it whatever. Your kids might enjoy it, and it could be a decent date movie. Maybe it's simply bad enough to be entertaining. One half star out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall, which opened in theaters last week. Time to introduce the panel for today's show. I am joined by Drew Bittner and Camille Richardson and Philip Jean-Pierre, Black Gorbachev himself. Everybody, welcome hey. to the show. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hello. Very happy to have you all with me. So uh, before we really get into everything, I did want to acknowledge, because I, I thought it was uh, significant about uh, Doug Trumbull, and you know he is somebody who had pioneered so much stuff in the effects industry and therefore had so much to do uh, with particularly for old guys like you and me drew you know with what we were seeing uh, in the 70s and in fact he directed silent running yeah and uh, you know really you know powerful picture with bruce stern if you haven't seen it it's absolutely worth seeing one of those uh, films that uh, sort of defines science fiction and and the effects in silent running are every bit as good as 2001 you know? and yeah it's a it's, it's quite a movie mm, yeah environmentally but, conscious too <laughs> yes well up until the point at which they're like uh, we don't need them trees anymore <laughs> you know, destroy destroy the trees and come back to earth it's like wait what and they actually got uh, more mileage out of that stuff because th those ships showed up as the aggro ships on the 1978 Battlestar Galactica yeah. in a couple of episodes I'm like oh the aggro ships look at that <laughs> it's like I recognize that anyway, but yeah so all that stuff though and um, the fact that this guy was doing it with practical effects is even more impressive so you know doff of the hat to doug trumbull the other thing was john williams having a birthday 90 years old and yeah. He's 90. yeah well <laughs> when you think back i guess it does make some sense <laughs> i tell you what though his his soundtrack for the original lost in space series back when he was johnny williams and that's the way he's credited and i thought that was pretty funny too but that was one of the last examples of a single composer who did the majority of the work on a tv series like that hmm. and the stuff is 
I, I mean, in fact, the I think Crescendo Records has the album. I I have. I mean, it's there's like a three volume set of music from Lost in Space. Uh, much of it was composed by John by Johnny Williams, and I love that stuff. But then the the timeless compositions that he has made. I mean, who can forget? Superman the movie and uh, you Jaws. know it just yeah oh yeah. my mm-hmm. newer to Harry Potter and Home Alone and yeah yeah I mean the list goes on and on yeah. yeah I mean and I just and I just loved this guy's music it was it was you know you knew that at least the music was going to be good if, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. if you heard that John Williams was going to be composing it so he's on the Ru- the Mount Rushmore of composers so Oh, certainly. In fact, his work is so important, he might be on there twice. (laughs) Yes. But, okay. Young John and old John. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. All right. So I was was baiting folks, and since nobody was drawn in by any of my conversations with these old guys, let's just get right to uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett. (laughs) We're all big Star Wars fans. And, uh, uh, oh, warning to any listeners, there will likely be spoilers if you have Major. not seen the Spoiler. final episode of Boba Fett <laughs> then uh, you may want to come back uh, in two weeks on Thursday when we uh, rebroadcast this episode but okay oh <laughs> <laughs> okay well it's nice having you Philip <laughs> Yeah. Well. Okay. So. Um. I'm okay. Well. I. I all right. Full disclosure. Philip and I had talked a little bit about this uh, yesterday evening, and you had a lot of stuff to say. And particularly since you are joining us remotely, I'd like to give you the opportunity to speak first. Okay. So you know, my first issue with Fed has always been for a character that's only had about thirty minutes of airtime, not including <laughs> young young Boba. I'm not including young Boba, but pretty much about 30 minutes of airtime. Everyone loves this character, so I think you and we both said we had no idea what to expect, but I, you know, Mandalorian gave me a little bit of hope that it'd be interesting. It was not. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was, it was not. Like, I spent more time simping for all the, everyone who was not the main character. <laughs> We're far more interesting. And, and I mean, he was a passive player in his whole story. And now, here's the thing. Everyone goes, if you thought of him as a villain, it might make the story better. I wanted him as the villain. I was, like, <laughs> it's basically a mob story, which yeah. I love those. Mm-hmm. Like, that was going to be my thing. I'm like, what? A bounty hunter turned mobster? It's, it is a classic theme that should not fail. Mm-hmm. And what we what we got was uh, the Power Rangers riding around on slow motorcycles. <laughs> Those are such a joke. The mods and that mm. spin in that in the finale, I just <laughs> yes, that was so over the one. top. Why was that necessary? Yeah. <laughs> Could not. Uh, I think the best phrase was that was on a smooth criminal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, they, yeah I just. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. What were you gonna say? I, Boba, like the problem was Boba felt felt like a passive character in his own story. Yep. Like he did not he did not feel like he like the impetus to do stuff didn't feel like he had any motivation to do anything. It was just like, well, I'm gonna hang out with these tribe people. Well, I'm gonna go run around the desert. We're gonna well, cut that way well. too short. We're not gonna let that keep going. To you know, we're gonna <laughs> any of the good parts from Boba Fett. We're gonna kill as soon as we have it. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh look, I found a I found this poor child, poor woman in the desert. I guess I'll have a bunch of robot parts put into her. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, you know, and and I I appreciate what you were saying about the length of time that this character had had in the original, uh, well, the original trilogy. But mm-hmm. I, I I think you're actually being very generous. I don't think it was even <laughs> as long as thirty minutes. I think somebody timed it out. It's more like actually seven and a half minutes or something oh. that you really saw this guy. He's 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 on screen with with Darth Vader. He walks down a hallway, leading, you know, Carbonite Han Solo. Uh, he gets knocked off the skiff, <laughs> and then swallowed by the throttle. It's, it's it's pretty short. Yeah, it really it is. is. But he's also one of the very few that actually just straight up talks Venom in Vader's face. That's true. Like no one else really had had the balls to do that, but he yeah. did. <laughs> well, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, institutional memory here on this because uh, the the only reason. And you're hearing it here, folks. The only reason for the Star Wars holiday special was seriously to introduce Boba Fett. Yeah. And so and, weird. Mm-hmm. and let me tell you something. And he seemed like a badass. It's like you're yeah. like, oh, wow, who's this? What the? Oh, my goodness. You know? Yeah. And so uh, particularly for him to have ended up, well, excuse me, what we thought was the end of the character in the Sarlacc uh, in mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. Because that, that was... My only other criticism about Boba Fett it was that he he went out like a punk, a total. I, think, p- I mean, I think that I by think accident. The, the more I think mm-hmm. about that, the more I think that that was George Lucas consciously trolling the fans. Hmm. I think mm-hmm. he was trolling the fans. I think he was saying that, look, here's this awesome looking guy. Bunk, he's dead. <laughs> Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I'm just Where? Kind of surprised that we actually went with the Patton Oswald like coming out of the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> the whole thing. Like start to finish. Like we're not gonna go super cool EU where he's jetpacking out. Nope. 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 Mm. We got Buddy Fett. I, <laughs> I mean, it's possible that they might have been trying to do that as a cyber homage. But even I was just like, I mean, let me and let me just also just say, Robert Rodriguez. I don't feel like this was his best work. Like, <laughs> no. I, I Again, you're being kind. Yeah, each one of his actual directed episodes, what one, three, and then the finale were probably all the worst episodes of the entire series. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he just has no ability with the action sequences, the cinematography, the direction, or really capturing these characters Which and having is them grow. So weird, given his given his film work, that is so weird that he can't do mm-hmm. action. I feel like the reason why those first two that sucked so hard was because he was just sitting there with all of the, like, his little toys trying to make up this big disastrous finale that was so unbelievably mm. chaotic that there was just no brain put into the entire series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than I, Bri- Bryce Dallas hey, Howard uh, and ho- Filoni. Hold yeah. that thought one second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Philip Jean-Pierre, Camille Richardson, and Drew Bittner. We were just talking a little bit about, well, we were going to talk about the finale of the Book of Boba Fett, but we've been talking about the entire series now that we can look at as a complete work. And I'm sorry, Camille, I interrupted you. I mean, for me, just that at the end of the day, I think for me the most disappointing stuff was Cad Bane. You brought him in, and then <laughs> the fact that they have so much history together, the fact that he is responsible for the dent in his helmet, the fact that he even says, it's like, this is not the first time that I've beaten you at a job. Like, you're alluding to all of it, but then you're going to have this standoff not really be that climactic, and this is the guy who basically taught him everything 
mm-hmm. and who is the best damn bounty hunter in, t- in the entire galaxy, then you're going to kill him. However, I don't think he's dead, but at the same time, he should have been a figure from episode one. That should have been something that should have messed with Boba Fett, and it should have been this drawn-out thing over the entire series. That should have been like almost the main villain. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I have to admit, I was in the space of thinking it was a disappointing series, wasn't really wild about it. And then, then I read something on Polygon that actually says, if you think of it in terms of Boba Fett is the villain of the piece, an incompetent villain, an incapable villain, and he's really kind of a send-up of guys who fail upward, not because of any you know innate ability, but because they just are more violent or arrogant or aggressive than other, other people around them. It, it actually works better, and there's, I think there's some some justice, some validity to that argument because, you know, it is kind of a send up of like this culture that we're in right now, where if you are loud and rude and you demand, you know, respect that's not earned, it's not deserved, you know, you may get it, and so Boba Fett may well be the villain of the piece. He's he's certainly not shown any competency in terms of being the the leader. He never showed that he wanted it. He never showed that there were any stakes, any personal motivation. He always had an easy way to out, too. He always could have just gotten on a ship and flown off. So what's the point? It's like, the point is, he feels like he deserved it. So, <laughs> and he was going to do lots and lots of stupid things along the way. You know, he's, he's doing this for the people of Mos Espa, but the people don't want him. <laughs> you know, there, nobody, nobody's actually stepping up and saying, we want you to be in charge of things. He's just doing this stuff, and he's blowing up things, and, and he's letting these people get hurt. He's not defending them. And he's going around, like, walking around with the hel- his helmet off, like, okay, anybody can take a shot at his head. Why is no <laughs> one know? shooting him in the legs? Can we just, yeah. like, why? And then you have the standoff with Mando and him, and no one's shooting him in the He has no protection. No. <laughs> so they, 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 want to see, they want to see if they can just get through that Beskar armor once. God. <laughs> All right, wait, so so uh, here was Philip, the problem. Yeah. I, here was Here's the problem I had with the entire thing. I, I, because I become so disassociated with the entire story, I started doing a fake fan too and trying to go, how can they fix this? I, I kid you not. I, the only thing that would have saved this series if by like that last episode, you found out that Fennec Shand actually worked for the Pike, which was to explain why she stayed, and she turned out to be the villain, and the entire next season of Boba Fett would be Boba Fett versus Fennec Shand. Hmm. That'd be cool. that was... That was cool. Honestly, <laughs> that would have been really cool. Because Fennec Shan was running through everybody going, this person's a problem, can I shoot him? <laughs> like, not, not, not a discussion, not a negotiation. This person's a problem. Fennec Shan is an assassin, and they only solve their problems one way. Hmm. And so when she gets that scene where she goes, all right, I'm going to go do my thing, and she runs through the town just shooting people <laughs> nonstop until the problem goes away. I'm going, man, Boba Fett can learn a thing or two from you. I could, I, you know, Philip, I could have easily seen, there's this, there's a two-part episode of Enterprise, you know, where they do the Mirror Universe thing, oh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and Hoshi winds up killing Archer <laughs> to take <laughs> yes. over as, yeah. as Empress Hoshi. I could have totally seen Fennec Shan doing that. Yeah. You know, what confused me was uh, Fennec motivation because all right so he finds her and then he helps her and so Mm -hmm. she's indebted to him but then she helps him out and her debt is paid and he's flying around in slave one and he's like well i can drop you anywhere and she's like now i'll hang out 
And I was like, but why? why? I mean, yeah, because he's already announced that he's not going to be, he wants to be a daimyo. He don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. You know, and mm-hmm. she was telling him, "Well, why? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's like you and it didn't make any sense to me either. You know, wow. I mean, uh, uh, including his motivation for wanting to do something else. Wow. I mean, it, in in some ways, it was one of those oversimplistic uh, kind of story choices." a la that first Thor movie where he gets humility <laughs> simply by virtue of Loki tell a, showing up and telling him a story and then the next day he's serving the human's coffee. You know, it's like, oh, all right, so like overnight you got humility. The same kind of thing. It's like, okay, so maybe we are to believe that his experience in the Sarlacc is what cha- well his experience in the in the Sarlacc and then with the Tuscans. With the Tuscans. Yeah. Is, but if if that is what we are to infer I think the writers did a lousy job with offering the viewers enough motivation to it. Now, of course, because it's Star Wars, and I, I am I am told that at least partly because of the pandemic, that's why it turned into the Mandalorian. <laughs> you know, like like three quarters of the way through. But because it's Star Wars, and because they did that, all of a sudden. All is forgiven, and everybody loves this thing because I, I, I mean, I was really excited at first. I was confused, but then I was excited to have an episode of The Mandalorian. In the well, I, like, well, I thought it was going to be a while longer that I had to watch this, and then you showed me Luke again, and like, oh, we're kind of like throwback to Empire Strikes Back, where he's training with Yoda. I'm like, this is what's not to love about you know, any of this. The, 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 the thing. Oh, about, and Ahsoka. The thing about Luke's appearance on the show is it's like it just kind of recapitulates. Everything I always thought was wrong with the Jedi. All the way like, everything yeah. is wrong with the Jedi. It's like, Luke is all about, all about oh, you know, we, the Jedi don't need attachments. Like, he's repeating verbatim all the talking points yep. that were force-fed to him by Kenobi and Yoda. Yep. Shows he hasn't learned anything. Yeah. And he's repeating the same mistakes that the Jedi made. Like, cutting off attachments. Like, no, we don't need... It's like. You are attached to frickin' everything in the galaxy, you idiot! <laughs> Which I was kind of surprised by Ahsoka and how she was kind of, like, guiding Mando to not involve himself. Which, because obviously she's not a Jedi, obviously yeah. she had her own issues with the entire Jedi Order and, and called it a day. Mm-hmm. But I did uh-huh. find it interesting that she still was kind of pushing the same, you know, uh, thought processes with it. Yeah. So, and so here's... Oh, oops, go ahead. No, what no, were you saying, Phil? Go ahead. So here's a theory I had on that. Like... The thing is, it actually, that scene right there, I think, justifies The Last Jedi. Because yeah. hmm. by the time you get to The Last Jedi, Luke's like, you know what? F them Jedi. Everything they taught me, everything they taught me let me down. Everything that, that I went, went through, it shows it's, it's all a lie. It's all BS. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. By, we're done. By the time you get to that point, you'll go, oh, now I know why he's salty. Now yes. I know why he lives. Now yeah. I know why he's living in a cave. I know why. Now I know why he's telling Ray. You don't. Now you know why he's telling Ray. Ray, you don't want this Jedi life. You don't want this. <laughs> he's he's put on the road to being a bitter old man. <laughs> I mean, this is exactly. his first failure. You know, mm-hmm. that's going to be no. interesting how that affects him and, and see. First in a string. Yeah, really. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number one. So, so I was actually okay with that part. I mean, yeah, you know, when you like, like I told Ulysses, you got a choice. You could either have the really cool sweater your dad knitted for you, or you can become a Jedi. Or you can become a Jedi. Well, you buy yourself for the rest of your life, but you don't need your dad. I'm like, have some PTSD from some lightsabers. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, the other part of that was. 
given the dynamic in the Mandalorian, uh, even mm-hmm. though Luke offered him a choice, and I was really hoping he was going to take Yoda's lightsaber, I knew he was going to take the shirt. <laughs> His yeah. dad needed him because yeah. I want you, you want. Both. <laughs> right? I'm stronger than oh, you. Luke. Oh, then, oh, then it's a fight. <laughs> yeah, then it's a fight. Yeah, you know, it's like. And, it, and you think Luke's gonna win? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, based on what he did to uh, you know the. Um, uh, well, actually, wait a minute, because it, it was when the um, rancor yeah. started flipping out. That yeah. rancor, mm-hmm. it can take you know. how many blasts, but it's afraid of fire. I, why? <laughs> Yeah, Why? Like getting getting fire in its face, like you know, it's apparently a big thing with rancors. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it, where I was going with all of this was that it brings me back to my total disappointment with the entire franchise. And the crushing failure of all these movies and and cartoons. People have people have told they disagree with me before, but I still think. The first movie, literally Star Wars, what is now known as A New Hope, that is the best one of all of these Clone movies. You know? I, I think. <laughs> I'm, I, well, I'm but that's not a movie. True, <laughs> but I'm, true, but I'm, true. I'm, I'm well. In fact, I have started season seven, yes. and I'm like a couple of episodes into season. But I digress. No, here's the <laughs> thing. So, and and part of the reason that I look at this the way that I do uh, is because of. Uh, where I was when all of this stuff happened and the fact that I was one of these first generation people uh, to um, to discover the, these movies and uh, all right I, I wasn't there in May when the thing dropped but it was like August when I first saw it but I, I didn't get it I mean I'm like whatever but then when I saw it I was totally into it, and I'm like, oh, uh-huh. this is like, you know, I mean... It's a life changer. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, well, and, you know, because of, I mean, I was um, I was 14 in 1977, so it's a coming-of-age story. I was uh-huh. coming-of-age, I identified with it for those reasons, and then, after the impact that this film had on me, the second one... Was like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? Yeah. I mean, and takes you in a completely different direction than the first one, you know. And in fact, I I can't, you know, because there are you know certain uh, rules about using uh, language on the air. But a friend of mine who had seen The Empire Strikes Back in a preview screening told me he said The Empire Strikes Back pretty effing hard. You know? <laughs> it was his comment, and um, you know the the fact that. They were on the run, and you get to see the power of the Empire. And then, on top of everything, then, here we get Return of the Jedi, which the movie was kind of a joke. I mean, there was some great stuff in it, but for the most part, you had callbacks to the first movie. It's it's basically a retread of the first movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that is taking me exactly where I'm talking about, particularly in terms of The Force Awakens and what happened with that, you know? So, um, anyway, but that musical cue means that uh, we have reached the end of the first segment of the show. Uh, Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. We're a community radio station. Among other things, that means we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity and benevolence of our listening audience as well as our program sponsors for the continued upkeep and survival of the radio station 
Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, uh, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media, community radio, today. So, we are just beginning to scratch the surface of this discussion. We are going to talk more about Star Wars and the Book of Boba Fett in the second half of the show, which will be coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere, because there's a lot more fantastic forum on tap for this afternoon. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Camille Richardson and Philip Jean-Pierre and Drew Bittner. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about Star Wars, the phenomena that has spawned cartoons and comic books and novels and novellas and television shows uh, and one of those television shows the latest one the book of boba fett which has just concluded its first season this past week on disney plus so what what i was saying was that i was really disappointed by return of the jedi because there were all these callbacks to the original movie. And then, when J.J. Abrams got his hooks into the thing, uh, that first movie, a as financially successful as, as it was, um, was nothing but a bunch of callbacks to the first movie. And uh, that Hollywood has realized that they can capitalize on a certain element of nostalgia in the fans I mean because like that that's that was Ghostbusters Afterlife and I enjoyed that movie wasn't much to it but oh they were artful masterful at extracting via nostalgia every, I mean I cried in that movie I'll be honest, I cried it showed me Egon I'm like <laughs> you know I mean yeah. so it, but it, it it all it does is keeps writers and producers from being obligated to produce something of a higher quality mm -hmm. and that's a problem so uh it, where wh honestly what i would have preferred and unfortunately because the expanded universe has kind of the you know i guess you know it's been invalidated now but there was this concept called the gray jedi and i really would have liked to have seen luke uh, reinstitute the Jedi Order, or even if they hadn't killed Kylo Ren at the end of that movie, you know he's redeemed and he decides to reinstitute the Jedi Order. Except it's the Gray Jedi, and you know you you learn that you need not only the light side, but it's got to be in concert with the dark side, and both sides working harmoniously in tandem. And, you know, nobody fully bad, nobody fully good, you know, because the old Jedi Order, what I learned of it in that prequel trilogy, it, 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 there's no question, it totally sucked. Being a Jedi was like, I mean, they get you when you're like a little kid, a baby even, mm -hmm. 
and they indoctrinate you into this thing kidnappers. and you, yeah, yeah they're yeah child yeah. kidnappers yep. and you know to where <laughs> you have no life you have no attachments outside the jedi order so and the, it's a miserable way to live so you're saying they're child soldiers yep i yeah, mean yeah, yeah the shoe fits mm-hmm. yep so what was it ulysses we were talking about this mm-hmm. i have said this a hundred times I will enjoy any Star Wars story that is not dragged down by the Skywalker baggage. Uh, and what <laughs> do you mean not, by that? <laughs> so the problem is, is that Star, the first, the original trilogy, basically created their perfect iconic Jedi. Everything else after that seems to go one of two ways: keep exalting him or start deconstructing him, which honestly makes it difficult to really maintain the same magic on those characters when all you really want was Luke Skywalker is an introduction to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. He gets me the top of the thing. The Star Wars universe is fun. It is a vehicle for a thousand stories. The old novels prove that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Luke, for giving us this universe. Can I please get like some more Rogue Ones? Like, well, we're going to get some of that angry Vader very soon. Or Solo. Yeah. But again, Vader is still a Skywalker legacy True, package. yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like, I'm like, I want, like, the Star Wars vision story. There isn't a Skywalker to be smelled through any of that. <laughs> and those, are, those are some great stories. Like, Mando, before we knew where it was in the timeline, was great. Because, again, no Skywalkers. Yeah. Like that collection, Tales, like Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm sorry, Camille. Because of that, I enjoy Rebels more than I do Clone Wars. Rebels is Rebels, fantastic. I think Kanan's is, one of the very best Jedi of all time. And it's way more accessible that you don't need to have to go, do I have to like Luke Skywalker or, or understand the Anakin theory? It's just, true. Oh, look, it's just a story in the Star Wars universe with two random Jedi. I mean, that's the, yeah. whole, that's the whole title, Star Wars. It's an entire <laughs> galactic system at yeah. war. It's not just Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it, it kind of all boils down to, like, one family having a, a spat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's basically dynastic politics and, and holy war and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> so, it, so, it get, so it just makes it hard to, like, really love the story. It was like, yeah, but in Luke, no, just leave, leave Luke alone. He went into the cave for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not that I don't like Luke Skywalker. He is one of my favorite heroes. But his journey is over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you can argue that, frankly, the, telling good Star Wars stories does not require Jedi. It doesn't require Sith. True. They can mm-hmm. be background elements. They can be things that you talk about or say in passing, like, you know, oh, you know, there was one time I saw a Jedi just totally busting it up in a bar and then you mm-hmm. move on to something else. But, you know, it's, it, it's not necessary. It's a great setting. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's rich ground for telling all these kinds of great, grungy, space opera kinds of stories. And I agree with you, Philip. You, you don't need Skywalker. And at this point, Skywalker is more baggage and more more weight on, mm-hmm. on the franchise than it is, you know, momentum and, and an engine. You know, it should be. But this this actually became part of my problem with it. So... 
Empire Strikes Back was completely different. I mean, okay, first movie, you're on a desert planet. Second movie, oh, it's a nice planet. First movie, heroes win. Second movie, bad guys win. I mean, could not have been more different. Yeah. But then, what do we do in the third movie? Hey, we're going back to Tatooine, you know? It's, oh, same old desert planet. And you get to the prequels. We got forests. It, <laughs> and then, and then you, and then go, forests. And then you basically go to Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they, they could never get away from these desert planets. At least Jakku was not Tatooine. You know, I'm like, yes. boy, you know. It, it but, was. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. It was. It was, it was well, with, all, with a space junkyard on it. Well, all of all of those sequels were that way. They kept yeah. showing ice planets and then forest planets, yeah. and it was just the same stuff we had seen from yeah. the originals. And that's one thing I do respect mm. about the prequels. Say what you will about the screenplay and direction, but mm-hmm. we got so much more lore out of the prequels mm. and so many new planets yeah. and different like looks of everything. But, but yeah. I, will, I will tell you the one the one thing that got me excited about Boba Fett was seeing that ring world. Yeah, yes. that was cool. That, that like Halo cool. kind of world. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you're Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Mandalorian, what two two point five? Yeah, Mando two point five. Which I mean, that episode was so cool. But had they taken some of those elements and even you know episode six and spread them out throughout the story sooner, I feel like it would have been a a, a better mold. It, it kind of felt like a a hail mary in a way. Yeah. Like they they figured uh-huh. okay well we're either having production problems or having story problems and we need to bring in the more popular. Or we can't stuff. get Robert Rodriguez to you know focus because he's worrying about his toys for the finale. Like yeah. I can't. Somebody misplaced his Star Wars toys, having a fit. He's in a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he's playing talk. guitar. Well, he's being angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I you know what else I kept thinking? I kept thinking, man, they're going to be on that desert planet. I guess the Mandalorian spent all that Star Wars money, huh? <laughs> he was hitting every place in the Mandalorian season one and two. Like they, like you got Moff Gideon running around looking smooth. And I'm sitting, you got a, yeah, yeah, Tie Fighters, whatever. And it's like we gonna do a whole desert planet, just, like, <laughs> with, with just a whole desert planet. Back to like Tunisia, said, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the thing is, I think part of the problem is the fact that we actually all had high hopes, yeah, on some level for Boba Fett. And like, and the characters, if you don't count Boba Fett, really were compelling. Like the Jennifer Beals character, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was sorry to see her get blown up. I, I thought she that was, was a waste. Yeah. Was and, 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 yeah, and hold on to what you were saying, because I just got to throw a couple of the things on, on that front, because yeah. after mm-hmm. the shameless way that they let Grogu make that choice that allows him to come back for the next season of The Mandalorian, <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah, she, well, it was. It was absolutely <laughs> shameless. You know, shameless. Don't even toy with it, you know? But. You know, then, you, in the background. Yeah, but then you've got a character like Cad Bane, who has uh-huh. the historic connection to Boba Fett, and so they introduce. Sad. I mean, I, I I absolutely respond to what you said, Camille, about had they introduced him in the beginning of the series. So but integral. you bring him in towards the end, and I'm thinking, oh, surely this guy is such a good villain that you're not just going to waste him. And then they wasted him. I mean, because... I don't, I, I don't think he's dead. Uh, yeah, I, he the, he the looked sensor pretty on dead his, to me. No, as soon as he mm. gets struck by the, the, the club, immediately on his suit, a light starts to blink. And here's the thing. We haven't seen Toto. We haven't seen his ship. 
We don't know, and we know that, that that whole thing that is attached to his cheeks and everything, he's got this whole system that if he's put in bad situations, he can survive. Hmm. We've seen crazier <laughs> stuff happen with Vader. We've seen it happen with Fennec. Like, maybe this is just me hoping real hard because like, I love this I dude too much. But why would you take a slow pan over him like that and have the sensor go off? You know it's hmm. Star Wars. Nothing's yeah. done without reason. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, I, it kind I of thought they were showing you like number three or something. You yeah, know? Like, it, it could be a, a beacon. We don't know. It or could clone. be something trying to keep him. Would you say clone? clone. Well, Anything could be a clone, right? You, you, you yeah. were right about the Timothy Oliphant character, oh, the Marshal. You know, yeah, sorry, yeah. Cobb. Yeah, because I was like, oh, now they done wasted him because you know, oh, he's gonna go up against Cad Bane. I'm like, I know you're not winning this, dude. And then you know, he's laying oh. there dead, and even excuse me, <laughs> apparently in the dead. shoulder. Yeah, why did the Weequay why did the Weequay say yeah yeah he's dead like you know we're all upset over it you know in the middle of the finale and it's like why are you lying well apparently <laughs> they maybe they wanted to yell that, it so Cadbane would keep walking <laughs> I just oh, uh, after boy. that I, I guess you, I will tell you I will tell you why they lied because <laughs> Timothy Oliphant had to go back to the past and refilm his old TV show for them six episodes before he can come back to the Star Wars Oh, Justified? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are doing yeah, a revival. Six episodes yeah. I actually did think about that. And it's, you know what, what, what gets me, this is kind of... A, this is yeah, oh, okay, hold, hold, hold that thought just a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We, sorry, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses <laughs> E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Camille Richardson and Philip Jean-Pierre and Drew Bittner. And we were just talking about Star Wars. All right, but Drew? I was just going to say that the guy that created Cobb Vanth does not even get credited in What's the series. What's new, right? You know? He was created by, yeah, by Chuck Wendy. In all this crap in, lately. In the novels that Chuck did. Doesn't even get mentioned, and and well, we'll mention his, him now. He What's his name again? Twitter, didn't he? Yeah. About it, yeah. yeah. Historically, everybody that even works on something gets thanked. In At the least the credit. Yeah, that's like the the minimum, the bare minimum that Disney has been willing to do. They didn't even bother to do it with this because they they kind of wrote him out of this thing because there's like fan blowback over oh you know he's got a a gay relationship between these two characters and that became like a, a big cause on the right and there was a you know. Because he was originally campaign. an EU character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It's like Minnie Mouse wearing pants. It's an outrage. Yeah, and so, so the, mm -hmm. the corporation caved, and he's become a non-person. But, <sighs> but, but his character still is there. Yep. So, mm. so who is the guy who created him? Say his name he again, please. Chuck Wendig. There we go. That's the reason you listen to this show, people. <laughs> we'll give you those little tidbits there. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. But um, yeah, overall, it, 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 there was a lot of sensational type stuff, and yeah, the Jennifer Beals character getting killed, the mm -hmm. way that they wasted uh, Cad Bane. I mean, in fact, really, even Finnick in that last episode, because I'd kind of forgotten about her, and then you know the. Um, uh, the what what was the what's the, um, the the criminal syndicate the Pike the, syndicate the Pike syndicate yes yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden Pike start dropping dead and these other uh, you <laughs> know uh, faction friend. people there's only uh, only five Pikes on the screen at one time yeah. <laughs> it's only five they can't afford the never more <laughs> <laughs> okay Here, here's a question not even over masked like here's a question I do have mm -hmm. everyone who got jumped who was part of Boba Fett's team all survived. 
Please explain to me why the Gamorreans get thrown off a cliff. Right? And they're just like, like why? They they don't know how to run? And those are the original Gamorreans, too. Which yeah. Is, it's exactly. upsetting. They had lost some weight, though. Yeah. <laughs> in much better shape than they were in those mm-hmm. movies. You know what's I really upset man. by? The fact of, you know, you, you bring in the Pikes. You're bringing in this whole crime syndicate that we're going to bring all through Tatooine. We're going to mess up this whole, you know, planet even further. The mm-hmm. fact that we haven't seen... Like, okay, Maul is dead. We know that. But... Yeah, do we? Kira <laughs> is not... I mean, he's pretty dead. Uh, Kira <laughs> is not dead. The fact that we're not seeing a larger syndicate kind of being involved... I thought it was going to lead to something much, much bigger with the criminal underworld. Yeah. Especially now that the Empire is gone and they're kind of rising up on the Outer Rim. That could you, be they, pro- they had the intimation of a gang war. That's what I... That's that what that I could be season two. Could be. I mean, they had that the weird symbol for uh, what was it, uh, Crimson Dawn? Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of floating throughout, but but no real anything on the horizon of really putting that any further than just the pikes. Yeah, and there's so much bigger beyond that. And I'm like, and then what about the like I'm saying, like what about the huts? Right? Like, like, yeah. There's so many family of huts. <laughs> Where did they all just go? They're not coming back to take their claim. And and, and, here, and Jabba has a kid. And and we yeah. know and we know that huts know how to hire people. <laughs> <laughs> they, they absolutely they, although my, do. Oh, my question is, is: Let me get this straight. The huts aren't involved, but they're going to send out their mecha to kill everybody. I'm like, <laughs> right? Although, don't get yeah. me wrong; those mecha were cool, though. I will not lie. I did, I did get a little excited when I saw them. The, the pikes, like a, yeah, the pikes know the score pack mechs and stuff. Those yeah. you know, kind of next gen. Yeah, and they yeah. had they had yeah. shields and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was. Like I mean, the, Rancor versus Mech always is a good show. I'm not yeah. gonna lie about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing in my head, master destroyers. You know? So many, so much potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And just bad execution. Well, uh, you know, I, I was, I was liking it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, you know? Well, no, it's just like, like with the I big Wookie me, tore no. up the guy's it's, arm it's in the fun. bar. It's, yeah, it's fun eye candy. Yeah. I do want to know about good. that BD unit though. Yeah. Like I need to know if that's BD one. <laughs> but you know what? You know what I really want. What's I want to know. The conversation Luke had after baby after Grogu was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get this sweater." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, listen, you, and you know, Archie, you know, Luke had to be like, "Archie, get this bum off." Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let me tell you something. Luke didn't care. He got the student loan money anyway. <laughs> Even though the Grogu, Grogu fill out that application, Luke is just Luke is just doing like the power face pump that we're like. <laughs> It was predictable, but I loved that X-Wing coming in. I, I really did. I couldn't cool. help but smile. Oh, just yeah. That was adorable. I, I wasn't surprised that, yeah, because I think you're right, Philip. You know, Luke wasn't having it. I, well, I definitely ain't taking you back. My droid will take you back. I'm like, man, you that We had this conversation on Facebook. It's like, you treated that kid like he was a latchkey kid. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, good luck in your future endeavor. <laughs> All right, thanks for playing. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. You know uh, so that, that episode though, where you had Ahsoka and Luke talking, and you know what? Somebody, somebody, I don't know, Drew. It might have been you who mentioned this, but they really needed a scene where, uh, and you got to figure because they'd been talking before. But I would have loved to have seen the scene where Luke told Ahsoka that he had been able to get 
Anakin back to the good side before he died. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. used to, and I think even it they did so many damn flashbacks. Yeah. It's like I remember. I remember when I first met you, Ahsoka. You remember what oh. I told you in flashback? Ah, you know, I mean, that I would think be we'll great. probably get that in the Ahsoka series. I think mm. so. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're gonna get a, a lot of stuff involving with Anakin because I, I mean, he's supposed to be in it too. So I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with you there because I mean, that's so part of who she is that yeah. I don't think they're gonna put put that into. Book of Boba Fett. No, you know, I mean, like, and especially you know how big of a moment was it in Rebels, you know, and, and to yeah. know that not mm-hmm. only was Ahsoka alive, but then to have that that showdown was mm-hmm. gut wrenchingly painful. Yeah, painful. Mm-hmm. Well, what I do enjoy, and I think Ulysses, you touched on this. Technically speaking, Ahsoka did not finish her Jedi training. So does that mean she's not technically a Jedi, or she's a different type of Jedi? Hmm. Like, I honestly, like that different type of Jedi thing. Because honestly, let's face it, she she like she's not a Sith. She she is not like your classic Jedi, but at the same time, she still has like the best parts of being a Jedi, minus the baggage and like. Yeah, the I guess no a light thing. user. You know, j- j- just like what the the Knight Sisters like were dark users. Jedi Ronan is kind of the yeah. way I, I mean, looked at it. Yeah. She's like Gandalf yeah. the White, essentially. Which is why, which is why I'm actually happy about the Ahsoka storyline because she can actually break that paradigm of what a Jedi is supposed to be. Yeah. And if they're going to redefine the Jedi, which as we've seen, they need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might be interesting to see where it goes. Hmm. Yeah. That that really would be because I'll tell you from from the first that <laughs> New Hope, Star Wars, whatever you want to call it, when Obi Wan was explaining to Luke about the Jedi and for a thousand years the Jedi were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic mm-hmm. before the dark times. You know, I was like, how cool was that? Yeah. You mean? And mm-hmm. I'm looking at this laser sword, friggin' laser beam that goes out like three feet and stops. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, what? These were their weapons? Oh, damn. I mean, and I'm and then when you get to Empire Strikes Back and Luke is doing the flipping and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, you mean to tell me there was like hundreds of these guys? Oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to see that. That's why that the one thing in Attack of the Clones when they're in that arena and all of a sudden lightsabers start igniting all over the freaking arena. Mm-hmm. I about piss myself sitting there watching that. What did you <laughs> think about? Because you said now you're season seven of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. What did you think about with season six with with Yoda finding out something oh. huge was happening? It's yeah. going to be just just catastrophic to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, honestly, that whole business of him having to sort of go on the the spiritual journey and you know the fact the cosmic that the, force and then the living force well and the living force of qui-gon reaching out to him yeah. to say hey master there's more than we knew and you all got to get this part to really know what's up you know i mean and the fact that qui-gon was able to sort of supersede this whole uh, the limits that were around the force because none of even Mace Windu and Yoda and didn't Mace know Windu about all that. The stuff yeah. on the dark side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did like when he had the face off with that uh, the queen sister there, you know, and the one with um, uh, Jar Jar. Yeah, you know that yeah. that ended up being some good stuff. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, okay. Well, what I will say most that cracks me up about Clone Wars is that. Like I said, I get tied down by the fact because when I look at it, my first thought is, is oh, look, there's Anakin. That boy's going to take, he's going to take great glee in killing all of y'all. Yeah. And at, and at the same time, 
at the same time, by the time you start getting through, you realize Yoda knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And you're sitting there just going, you think he might have sent out an email? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, I mean, I ain't, like, have something to go, look, man, I ain't going, I ain't trying to snitch, but you might want to have like an exit strategy. <laughs> just, 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 you know, when, when the war winds down, watch your back a little bit, baby. <laughs> I'm sitting here just going, no one had a plan for him. Somebody just turned on him, except Yoda, who's like, Ooh. I'm going to just go chill up in this swamp. Right? Yeah. And wait for folks to show up. If no one show up, I'm going to be all I'm right. going to go to my country home. Because <laughs> see, you know what that is? That's what happens when you got no attachments. <laughs> <laughs> You can you can Irish goodbye anybody. <laughs> oh, oh man. my goodness! Well, I, well, I tell you what. Leaving that note, y'all be safe. Did hey, and 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 that's what I was saying because that was so cool, Philip. You you absolutely get the last word, last word in this episode because sadly we are out of time. I'd like to thank my oh. panelists. And you too. I know it's an hour goes fast, man. You know, <laughs> like to thank my panelists and you too for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Check your local listings to see when it airs in your area, and you can also catch it as a podcast on all the platforms where you find your favorite podcast. Courtesy of our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. Of course, also, the show re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA from 3 to 4 p.m. If you miss any portion of the first run, please tune in the following Thursday to check out what you missed. And you can visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got complete episodes of the television show and the radio show. We've got segments of the television show broken out so that you can enjoy the interviews the toy and game profiles, the special features, uh, all the wonderful event coverage and every other thing that you come to expect from a television show. And as always, come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a great rest of the weekend, people. <laughs>